Welcome to a French Collection podcast, a go-to podcast for everything on France, hosted by me, Annette Charlton. With guests, candid insights into living in France, travel discussions and more, our show will transport you to the land of cheese and croissants. So now let's dive into our next episode. So hello everybody and welcome to another podcast. I'm Annette and today we're going to be looking at something a little bit different. Today we're going to be having a look at what I think is the most beautiful museum uh, in Paris. That's Musée Rodin. So just why do I think this is the most beautiful museum in Paris? It's Hotel Byron. It's in the 7th arrondissement. And it's a sophisticated museum. It's, it's housed in a pretty 18th century chateau called Hotel Byron. It's on Rue de Varennes in the 7th arrondissement, like I mentioned. It's surrounded by elegant dwellings, lush private gardens and foreign embassies. This museum has to be my favourite. And it's in the arrondissement that is also my favourite. Peaceful reflection is the norm in the sculpture garden and hushed admiration of the artworks within the walls of Hotel Byron is how I would describe the vibe of visitors to this particular museum. There's so much to share with you about this place. The history involving evicted nuns, no less, perfectly designed gardens, paintings and sculptures, including The Thinker, might have heard of that one, The Gates of Hell and Balzac, and the architecturally magnificent Hotel Byron. So let's delve further and find out why this museum is the most beautiful, in my opinion, in Paris. Let's have a look at the history. Rodin's museum, this is a quote by the way, uh, by the museum itself. Rodin's museum has the distinctive feature of occupying a location chosen by the artist himself. The Hotel Byron, a delightful Rococo mansion, designed by the architect Jean Aubert and built in 1732, was practically abandoned when Rodin discovered it in 1908. He began by renting four ground floor rooms before taking over the whole building from 1911 onwards, thereby laying the foundations for what, we, for what would become Musée Rodin on August the 4th, 1919. The works on display in the museum are bathed in the natural light that enters through the large bay windows overlooking the garden. The impression changes from one season to the next and the play of natural light illuminates the sculptures differently according to the time of day. Quote, Musée Rodin. Originally a popular destination for Parisian high society, the hotel building changed hands several times until it eventually became a convent run by the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This, however, was to the detriment of the interior as the nuns found the sumptuous decor a little too frivolous and took uh, it was just too much to look at for them. So they had much of the elaborate interior removed. My goodness. So the garden became the nun's orchard and the mansion itself became a rather austere place. Due to the complicated legal system, it was not until 1904 that the nuns were eventually evicted 
and the hotel welcomed artists, including Henry Matisse, dancer Isadora, Isadora Duncan, and the poet and filmmaker Jean Couture, who took up lodgings there. Rodin loved the hotel so much after visiting that he also took up lodgings, renting four rooms. Loving the hotel so much, he negotiated to stay until his death in return for donating his works. So, Rodin moves into Hotel Byron. When Rodin moved into Hotel Byron in 1908, the main courtyard looked rather more built up. It was lined on both sides by buildings that bordered the mansion. So, this wasn't a detached house surrounded by a garden. Instead, it had buildings to the right and Hotel Dumain to the left. In 1912, after the French state purchased the entire estate, the neighbouring buildings were demolished, leaving Hotel Byron standing alone within the garden. And after it was turned into a museum, the state created the rose gardens on one side and the main courtyard on the other. So the overall result resembled what is generally considered a typical 18th century garden. A bit more about the gardens. Rodin strolled through the beautiful three-hectare garden that surrounds Hotel Boron in the last years of his life, between 1908 and 1916. And the gardens were open to visitors to explore and, and stroll through also. They are one of the finest gardens, not only in Paris's 7th arrondissement, but some think of all the capital's elegant mansions. Rodin first saw the gardens in a very overgrown state and began to place some of the pieces from his collection and antique sculptures in the garden. Today, the garden has around 30 bronze sculptures, covering almost the whole of Rodin's career. You can see monuments from his very earliest works right up to Balzac, created in 1888, which caused quite a scandal. If you know your art, you'll know that already. The gardens are now lovingly attended and designed to show off strategically placed sculptures. Rose beds, clipped hedges, ponds and informal paths are what I love most about this beautiful museum. Today, the Musée uh, Rodin owns the rights to the artist's works and is the only institution authorised to display his original works in bronze. The bronzes in the garden were produced based on his original plaster cast models. The bust of Rodin's father, Jean-Baptiste Rodin. Rodin's first bust was of his father, Jean-Baptiste Rodin. It was made when he was about 20 years old. Rodin was born in Paris and grew up in a modest family. From a very early age, he showed an aptitude for drawing and at the age of 14, he enrolled in the special Imperial School for Mathematics and Drawing. Rodin failed to get in three times, so when he was 17, he started to work in various sculptures workshops. He began to make his first portraits using people close to him as his models. The bust of his father shows his dad with a severe outlook. Roman thin nose and pursed lips. Rodin's father was a civil servant in the Paris Police Department 
and a painting made of him at the same time is considered to be probably more like how his father looked. But the bust is what is the most famous. The Monumental Thinker The original thinker was created in 1880 for the gates of hell and is only 70 centimetres tall, whereas the monumental thinker in the garden of the museum measures nearly two metres. The monumental model was installed in front of the Pantheon in 1906 and transferred to the museum in 1922. Because Rodin's artwork, The Thinker, is one of his most famous and well-recognised artworks. I think it deserves its very own podcast. So subscribe to the channel and you won't miss the next podcast on The Thinker. The Gates of Hell is one of Rodin's most famous monuments which inspired much of his creative work. He received the commission in 1880 when he was 40 and still relatively unknown as an artist. He had just returned to Paris after a long spell in Brussels and needed to win some public commissions if he was to gain recognition. The Fine Arts Administration gave him just the break he needed, asking him to create a monumental gate for a decorative art museum being planned at the time. The terms of the commission dictated that the gates should be decorated with bas reliefs inspired by the Divine Comedy, the work by the great 14th century poet Dante. Dante describes the poet's descent into hell, where he meets those who are condemned into hell along its pathways for all eternity to atone for their sins. These are the characters that Rodin chose to depict on his gate, but his vision very quickly grew beyond that starting point. He set out to create an entire world to paint a picture of the suffering and torment of humanity itself. The piece was due to be delivered in 1885, but Rodin continued to work on and off on the piece over the next 37 years. He worked on the gates of hell until his death in 1917. He was never fully satisfied and kept adding new figures and removing others. As a consequence, the gates became a sort of a like a creative laboratory. Several dozen figures created for the gates would be reused for new works at a later date while some of them even became sculptures in their own right, such as, you might know this, The Thinker and The Kiss, as well as Ugolino. In the two doors of the gates, you can see figures in very light relief in the background, others in bass relief emerging from the background, and others virtually around in very high relief. Up on the parts known as the Trimphpanium is The Thinker. Rodin never really finished his gates, but the bronze version you see represents the state of the work in 1980 and reflects the state that Rodin himself was in at the end of his life. And now a word from our sponsor, a French collection tours. Thinking of visiting France? A French Collection Tours offer inspirational, luxurious escorted all-women tours to Paris, Normandy, Brittany and Provence. Imagine seven days with a small group of like-minded women exploring the wonders of France. These fun and exclusive tours focus on culture and art, great food and drink, 
authentic locations and market trips and boutique shopping. A French collection tour is a perfect to relax and unwind, re-energise and invigorate with everything taken care of for you. Your host, Annette Charlton, has lived part-time in France with her family for over 11 years and knows how to ensure your tour is perfect. Whether it's bucket list items or secret places Annette knows about, you will truly love the Parisian vibe. And if you want to experience Brittany like a local, then walking, quaint towns, beach walks will delight you. Or if the warmth of the south of France appeals to you, then you'll be spoiled amongst the charming villages and ancient sites on a French collection tour. So if you're thinking of travelling to France, take a look at a French collection tours and create your lasting memories while having the time of your life. Find out more at www.afrenchcollection.com Commissioned in 1891 by the Société de Gènes de Letters, the monument to novelist Onier du Balzac was presented at the Salon where it sparked outrage. It was kept by Rodin but not cast in bronze until after his death. The figure is a symbol of the creator draped in the monk's habit that he wore when writing. Rodin used the drapery to exalt the head with its striking massive hair. Although the statue of Balzac can be considered Rodin's artistic legacy, it's also the work that created the fiercest outcry. Rodin received the commission and set to work enthusiastically, researching his life, reading his books and studying his portrait. On 30 April 1888, the eagerly awaited Balzac was presented in plaster at the Salon of the Fine Arts, where the reaction was swift. It was on 9 May, the Société de Gênes de Lettres quickly announced to Rodin that they were rejecting the work, saying that Balzac was unrecognisable. Rodin was a modern thinker and felt that sculpture should not be like photography. He thought rather an artist should work with not only his hands, but above all with his brain. He felt that Balzac in this pose makes us think of the places that he's walked, lived and thought. He's not separate from his environment, but rather he's like a real living being. The society that had commissioned the work was not the only one to be up in arms at the work's innovative approach. The public at large saw it as a shapeless mass and the cockatoos had a field day. The statue was compared to a seal, a block of salt after a shower, a lopsided doorman, a snowman in a straight jacket and a dripping candle. Rodin's work marked a break in the conventions governing public works in the 19th century, whereby the features of the person being celebrated were always easily identifiable. With his Balzac, Rodin created a different portrayal of a writer. Rodin's Balzac was not recognisable by his clothes, his posture, and he defied the norm by not holding a book or pen. Rodin's sole interest was in the novelist's creative powers, represented in the dressing gown, dressing gown Balzac wore while working. This robe with ample folds and a simple design covering his body directs our gaze to his head. 
His physical features are reduced to a concentration of expressive traits. Rejected and scorned, the statue returned to Rodin's workshop and never became a monument cast in bronze. Musée Rodin's Painting Collection Rodin Museum has many famous paintings in its collection, including some by Van Gogh that Rodin owned. Van Gogh and Rodin never met, but the sculptor particularly admired the Dutch painter's work. Describing him as an admirable demolisher of academic formula, but one who also possessed the genius of light. Rodin, Van Gogh and Monet. Van Gogh painted a number of portraits and Rodin collected a few of them. Van Gogh and Rodin shared a love of Japanese painters and while some of Van Gogh's work displays a Japanese influence, Rodin, however, never connected any influences to Japan in his work. Rodin also collected Monet's work and was known to exchange sculptures for paintings. In one exchange, Rodin gave Monet a sculpture and Monet gave Rodin, in return, a painting of Belle Isle, the beautiful Isle of Brittany. It's believed that the exchange was probably a short time after Monet's stay on Belle Isle. Both men supported each other and also shared the same birth year. Another thing they had in common was that they exhibited their works alongside each other at Galleries Georges Petit. Now about Rodin and his mistress. The Hotel Byron was where Rodin conducted his relationship with the woman who was the last great passion of his life. Claire Couder was an American who became a duchess by marriage and met Rodin through her husband. After becoming his mistress, she took his affairs in hand and helped his career take off in the United States, partly by encouraging the establishment to have a permanent collection of Rodin's work at the Metropolitan Museum. Rodin modelled a bust of his mistress, which is quite well known and a permanent inclusion in the museum's collection. This famous work of his is loved for its light-hearted portrayal of his lover, with prominent cheekbones and an open mouth. She looks like she's smiling and laughing. So in summary, why I think the Rodin Museum is the most beautiful museum in Paris. The gardens are simply stunning with their formal rose beds, clipped hedges, ponds, fountains and meandering paths. Sculptures by modern-day master August Rodin are dotted throughout the garden and they're artfully displayed in thoughtful groupings in Hotel Byron. This is the largest collection of Rodin's work in the world and that alone makes this museum very special. Rodin Museum is nowhere near as crowded as other museums or popular Paris tourist attractions. So it's a perfect place for a romantic walk, a bit of downtime in a busy holiday and some peaceful reflection of major, significant artwork. The hotel itself is a beautiful example of Rococo architecture, and the wall panelling, parquetry floors and chandeliers can be observed really up close. And last but not least, thinking of our tummies, delightful and with delicious food, the Museum Cafe is a lovely option to enjoy gourmet food and useful amenities. And so that brings us to the end of another podcast and our time together. Thanks for listening 
I've really enjoyed your company and I look forward to sharing more on France and all things French with you next week. Until then, you can head over to the blog at www.afrenchcollection.com for the full blog post. And so it's a merci from me and à bientôt. Thank you.